You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday with us, so that means you have made it to another hump day with us. So we got another question and answer episode geared up for you guys. Just want to send this quick shout out to everyone. We are literally like a few downloads away from the 10,000 um, downloads quota that I set for myself that I've talked about on this podcast uh, for the year of the quality of love. Our official year is May 13th. And um, so far, we're, we're really close. And I'm, I'm confident that we'll hit that number 10,000 downloads for the year. So shout out to you guys. Thank you, everyone that's listened, subscribed, downloaded. I can't say thank you enough. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you guys the answers that you're looking for in your relationships and um, in dealing with narcissism. So with that being said, today's quote of the day is stay true to your craft. Again, that quote is stay true to your craft. And that's from an anonymous person. I wrote that quote down going back a couple of years when I started to look into becoming a life slash relationship coach. And um, it really, really means a lot to me because there are times where I do question what I'm doing and am I, if I'm having a positive impact on the lives of others. So uh, when I do get into those kind of mindsets and those the kind of I wouldn't say down, but in that questioning area in my life, I look back to that quote and I always think to myself to stay true to my craft because I, I know for sure that I'm making a positive impact on people's lives just by, you know, the, the, the reassurance that you guys provide me through email and also reaching 10,000 downloads in a year is a huge deal. I don't know if you guys know, but in the podcasting world, people typically make it to 10 shows before they quit. So 10,000 downloads and the fact that you guys are listening to me um, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you and I appreciate it, right? So if you're out there listening, stay true to your craft, stay confident in what you're doing no matter what, right? Because you're going to face some barriers, you're going to face some odds, but you got to stay true to your craft. Question number one from my relationship and mental health side of things. Do people actually like to be broken? If so, why? Again, that question is, do people actually like to be broken? If so, why? I don't think that people actually like to be broken. I think that what what it boils down to is a lot of people um, are not equipped with the tool set to be able to to fix themselves or to be able to stop some of the patterns that are consistently hindering them in life over the long term. And that's where I always say I invite people to get professional help, right? Whether that's from a coach, uh, from a therapist, from a psychologist, whatever it may be, I really, really always encourage that type of stuff because 
what it does is you get another perspective in your life, right? You get somebody who's educated and equipped with the tools to help you kind of get unstuck in life. And I I think it's always good to have someone that's going to get you unstuck, that's going to put you on the right path or assist you in getting on the right path because it's ultimately your choice. But that'll help assist in getting you on the right path to understanding that in life, it, it, you're going to face some things, you're going to go through some things, but you just, you, you got to keep punching, right? And that's the biggest thing in life is perseverance. You look at anyone who's successful, one of the biggest characteristics that's consistent with everyone is that they have the ability to persevere and ability to fight through things. So I would invite you to seek mental health help or if you know someone that's broken to seek mental health help because um, sometimes from the outside looking in, it can look like people want to be in the situation that they're in, but they truly don't, right? They just struggle with understanding and knowing how to get out of those situations. Question number two. How do I get rid of post-breakup post symptoms, excuse me, like crying, anger, and frustration? Once again, that question is, how do I get rid of post-breakup symptom, symptoms like crying, anger, and frustration? I think it's, it's going to sound cliche, of course, but it, it takes time when you're dealing with a breakup, right? And breakups are very specific to an individual. So for some people, it may take a couple of weeks. Some people, it may take a couple of months. Some people may take a couple of years, right? Um, breakups are very, very specific to an individual. But I would invite you to, instead of thinking about um, the symptoms that you're going through, the anger, the crying and frustration as negative things, embrace them. And understand that uh, emotions are a part of life and every human being has emotions. So allow yourself to really sit with those emotions and don't be deflective and blaming of your partner or your ex-partner at this point in time. Try to really, really sit with those emotions and, and let them fester. And then once you let them fester, try to figure out what the lesson is that you needed to learn from this partner. Right. So were there things in a relationship that you accepted that, you know, you should not have Were there opportunities in a relationship where you felt like you could speak up and have your needs met and you didn't. Right. Really, really take the time to analyze your previous relationship. And I can guarantee you you'll find some lessons that you can take from that relationship. And as you start dating and, and moving forward, you'll understand what what you really want out of a relationship and what your needs are. Right. So give it some time. I know, again, that, that doesn't use, always sound like the best advice, but give it some time. Those those things, emotions that you're experiencing happened. And um, it, it's just one of those things you got to really, really embrace your emotions and that'll help you get through it. Question number three, how do you forget someone soon after a breakup? Once again, that question is, how do you forget someone soon after a breakup? I don't think you can really forget someone necessarily like completely. I know you want to completely get this person out of your mind, like have some a proverbial hand, just pick them up and pluck them out of your mind. But realistically, there's no way to forget someone soon after a breakup, at least. What I would invite you to do is reinvest that energy that you're putting into trying to forget them and trying to say, oh, well, this person is this, this person is that. Take that energy and put it into yourself, right? Take this time to figure out what you really like doing, what you really enjoy doing outside of that person and get reacquainted with kind of your essence, right? Your true self, 
who you are, what you like to do, and work on building yourself up from there. Because trying to put energy into forgetting someone usually backfires and we start to think about them more as we try to forget them. All right, so re- redirect that energy and put it into yourself. Um, I would invite you, if you have a home, to get involved in some DIY projects around home, um, painting, building something, making something with your kids, something along those lines. If you don't have a home, I would invite you to, in your apartment that you're staying in or wherever else it is, I would invite you to change the energy around by either changing the the furniture around if you're able or switching the furniture around in the apartment if you're able or buying some new furniture completely just to I'm a firm believer in energy. So just to get that negative energy out. Right. But to to realistically try to think that you're going to forget someone after a breakup. I just think you're setting yourself up there. Question number four. What suggestions do you have for rebuilding a friendship that ended 15 years ago, but has recently started again? I want to be a better friend. Once again, that question is, what suggestions do you have on rebuilding a friendship that ended 15 years ago, but has restarted again? I want to be a better friend. I think first you want to express empathy, right? And and if you have not done so yet, talk about the things that kind of destroyed your friendship in the past or some of the things you've learned from that you know that you'll be better with in in the future always uh, start with empathy in every situation because there's not enough of it in my personal opinion in the world so be understanding and respective respectful of what they have to say as well so if they say something like you really really hurt them by something you thought may be insignificant Acknowledge that and and apologize. And like you said, you're already on the path to trying to be a better friend by reaching out and seeking advice. Right. So you already you you got one step in on that. Um, But be empathetic. Um, Also, try to do things that they enjoy doing and not always think about the things that you enjoy doing. If you guys can do things together that you both enjoy doing, like watching the TV show, cooking, going out things like that, that's great because it helps build on the synergy. Um, but 15 years, it break up, uh, post-friendship, whatever you want to call it, um, is a long time. So understand that things are going to be different and embrace this new, this new person for who they are and work from there, right? And if you do that and stay open to their feedback, then I think you'll be, you'll be in a good spot in terms of being a better friend. Question number five. How do you heal a broken relationship when you have when you love each other, but feel like the relationship is falling apart? Once again, that question is, how do you heal a broken relationship when you love each other, but feel like the relationship is falling apart? I would invite you guys to, like I said a little earlier, seek professional help. Right. And in a lot of cases, professional help is astigmatism. So going to see a relationship therapist or relationship coach is stigmatized in a lot of cases. Um, but I firmly believe the the way that you strengthen a lot lasting relationship and a long-term relationship is going to get that additional help and that d- additional perspective, as I said earlier. If you are someone, because I know I'm not naive, I know a lot of people still won't take that advice. If you are someone that does not feel like taking that advice or feel like that advice isn't for you, then I would invite you to start doing things together like um, taking love language quizzes. And if you don't know what love languages are or apology languages for that matter, I would invite you to go back um, to season one 
and check out some of those episodes where I talk on that. But over over the long haul, I've, what I've found as in my year, five years of relationship coaching is that people who do love language quizzes and understand how to talk to each other specifically in a way that your partner receives love and feels loved and feel appreciated have lasting relationships so i would go there and then the apology language is is just a way to apologize to your partner because we all make mistakes relationships are not no relationship is perfect so we all make mistakes so i would invite you to go to your partner and express to them what their apology language is it is so they understand that you apologize in a way that feels good to them and they're able to then take that and and be able to feel comfortable in your presence right and then the last thing i would say on this is create a safe space in your relationship And what I mean by creating a safe space in your relationship is understand that sometimes things just need to be said. And then the manner that they're said may come across as harsh, aggressive, or even in in a cuss word type of manner. But understand that the relationship is that safe space for people to express themselves or for your partner, I should say, to express themselves and get whatever feelings that they feel out about feel about you out of their system and then you're able to work from there right the more you hold stuff in in a relationship i believe the more space you leave for resentment right so open up the space of your relationship allow each other to say what you need to say when you need to say it and i think that'll that'll be beneficial right and of course I know, again, a lot of people will still kind of oppose it but try to look into getting some professional help question number six what should you do if your parent insists you sleep with them at night after a breakup? Once again, that question is, what should you do if your parent insists you sleep with them at night after a breakup? That can be a very, very difficult situation, especially depending upon how old you are um, as a kid. But I would say try to invite your mom or dad to to have a space where you express to them and, and say to them that you understand that they're going through a lot and breakups are difficult and they can be a lot for any individual to handle. But I think it's only fair to you that you're able to say, hey, mom or dad, um, I would prefer not to sleep with you at night. It's not something that makes me comfortable, something that makes I know it might make you comfortable, but it makes me extremely uncomfortable. And it's not something that I would like to do going forward. Um, your parents should be responsive in a manner that's that's safe and that promotes you continuing to have that safe space with them. If not, I would invite you to have a conversation with another adult so they're able to articulate it in a way that mom or dad understands. Um, don't feel wrong or don't feel like you're a bad person for feeling this type of way. And please don't think that mom or dad is a a bad person either for asking you to sleep with them. It's just just a lot. Breaking up with someone is a lot, especially when you put a lot of energy into them and a lot of love into them. So that's a very, very difficult thing to experience. So um, don't feel bad for reaching out for help with that. Uh, If the first thing is not available, excuse me, and that is you having a conversation with mom or dad, if you don't feel comfortable with that, then I would invite you to express what you sent me to another adult that you feel might be able to articulate it or say it in a manner to mom or dad that they'll understand and be receptive to it. All right, let's touch on some insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, what causes a narcissistic ex to want you to let them go? Once again, that question is, 
what causes a narcissistic ex to want you to let them go. I think once you give them enough space and they realize that you won't come back to them and it's a waste of time to keep pursuing you or to keep bothering you, that's when they ultimately realize that you're not someone that they can keep under their control anymore. Also, when they found a new supply and I actually I got an email last week from a listener and they asked me what a supply was because I mentioned it and I forgot. I totally forgot that we get new listeners here every week. So I want to let everyone know a supply, quote unquote, in um, the world of um, narcissism is someone who a narcissist it has under their control and uses them um, as someone to be codependent to them, right? So a supply is someone who's usually being used by the narcissist, right? So when we talk about, when you get back to your question, when you ask what makes a narcissist want to kind of get out of your way and get out of your hair, that's when they find a new supply or they realize that you're not someone that can be controlled anymore. You've kind of gotten gotten down and figured out their characteristics and so so on and so forth. Question number two, how will a narcissist feel when we are gone for good? Once again, that question is, how would a narcissist feel when we are gone for good? I think in the world of a narcissist, I know it can be very um, rewarding to ourselves to think like, oh, yes, like they missed out on a good one. And I know they, they they're going to regret this. They don't think like that. Um, most narcissists are constantly in search of a supply or another supply that they can use and, and get over on. So um, they typically don't feel down in the dumps when they when someone good loot leaves their lives. They usually just kind of go on to a next person. So if you are away from a narcissist now and you happen to see them down the line or you see them on social media and they're with someone and you're like, what? Like, I, I thought this person would be down in the dumps. Uh, they lost such a good catch. Don't don't get too bad at, or don't get too down on yourself, I should say, because in the world of a narcissist, they're constantly searching for a new supply. Right. So they don't really like think about how they lost a good person or they regret losing a good person. Question number three. What do you think will happen when a narcissist is out of supplies and they can't find a new supply or they run out of they run everybody off? Again, that question is, what do you think will happen when a narcissist is out of supplies and they can't find a new supply or they run everybody off? Uh, I think at that time, it'll be it's very rare, first of all, that a narcissist gets to that point in their lives, because when they run everyone off, they have to be self-reflective. And I've seen in my life one of two things will happen when a narcissist is forced to be self-reflective and kind of really analyze how they've harmed them themselves and not creating good relationships in their lives. The first thing that I've seen happen in this case is a narcissist will will realize the error in their ways, kind of similar to what I've spoken on in the past. Um, the reason why I can speak so so well to the world of a narcissist is because I was one myself. I, I could say I wasn't clinically diagnosed, obviously, with narcissistic personality disorder, but a lot of the characteristics that 
um, go with a narcissist or that are applied to narcissistic individuals were characteristics that I've displayed in the past. So um, either they'll do that, get reflective, realize the error in their ways and try to change and try to be a better person going forward. Or the second thing they'll do is they'll, they'll get to a state where they're in denial and they'll continue to do a lot of the things and display a lot of the behaviors that they've always displayed um, because they'll have always have at least one person enabling their behavior. Right. If they've gotten this far, there, there's always one. Right. Whether that's mom, dad, a guardian, whoever. You just you just don't know about that person. But there's always one person to continue to enable them and let them know that they're what they're doing is right, even though it's wrong. Question number four, how do I actually forget about a narcissist after seven years of loving them? Once again, that question is, how do I actually forget about a narcissist after seven years of loving them? I think you got to give it some time. And as I said, with uh, the question that I answered on the relationship side, um, it all it's all time is specific to an individual. So that means it, it can take a long time to um get to the point where you forget about someone you've loved, especially for seven years. Seven years is a very long time to love an individual, whether they're narcissistic or not, right? So understand that it'll take time. And the the next thing I would invite you to do is take this time to figure out what you like, right? What you enjoy, what you like doing, um, the, the things you like engaging in, the things you don't like engaging in, and start to kind of rebuild yourself um, to the point where you're able to accurately um, decipher if an individual is narcissistic or not, and you're able to remove them out of your life, right? Now, that in itself, it seems easy, right? It seems like, okay, let me do this, but that can take time too. So biggest thing, give yourself some time, start to build the characteristics and qualities that you like about yourself, build upon those, Start to challenge yourself to step outside your comfort zone um, and don't focus on the narcissistic individual so much as to focus on yourself and take this time to really, really analyze and figure out who you are and what you like to do going forward. Question number five, why does the ex-narcissist in my life still stalk me after three years? Once again, that question is, why does my ex-narcissist still stalk me after three years? It's all about control um, and, and wanting to kind of be a thought on your mind, right? It typically um, the the span of narcissistic kind of um, in trying to reach out or trying to plant little seeds for you to come back and be with them. Um, the span is from anywhere from I would say two to about ten years, right? So that can happen. You'll get those those social media stalkings or even them popping up in random places that you are um, for for anywhere from two to 10 years, depending upon several factors. One of them is, as I said earlier, if they find a new supply, then to them, they feel like that's that's what they'll invest their energy in and what they'll invest their time in. Um, and then also what uh, indications that you're giving them, frankly, that you're still open to a relationship and you're still receptive. So. Those are the things that I think that that usually keep narcissistic individuals stalking people for longer periods of time. If you keep that stone wall up, you let them know that you you're not coming back and you see them for who they are and they no longer interest you or they no longer meet your needs. I think if you keep that that up and keep those firm boundaries set, 
you'll see that more and more that person um, does not contact you, does not reach out to you, or does not social media stalk you, which is popular with narcissists. Question number six. She's a narcissistic drug addict. She's accused me of abuse in court, but I won. She's obviously unmasked and embarrassed. What should I expect? Once again, that question is, she's a narcissistic drug addict. She's accused me of abuse in court, but I won. She's obviously unmasked and embarrassed. What should I expect? Um, I can't even sugarcoat it for you, my friend. You should expect Everything that this narcissist has, she's going to throw it at you. Um, she's going to try to smear your name in as many airs as she possibly can. She's going to try to um, do things with your friends, possibly even, even going as far as having sex or something like that. Anything she can do to make you feel like you're a terrible human being, you can pretty much prepare for that from a narcissistic individual, right? So that's, you can expect, uh, again, the smear campaign, you can expect her to try to do things with your friends, um, tell your fan, family members that you're a bad person and try to kind of create or paint a bad picture to them for you. All of those things you can expect independent upon, frankly, how how dangerous she is mentally. Um, she'll, she'll also try to do things like slash your car tires, break your windows out, um, pop up at places that you are. Uh, be careful if you have a job because she probably will try to get you fired from your job. So you can expect literally um, anything that that can possibly harm you. Be prepared for it. And I'd also invite you to, if you're ever around her or encounter her, make sure you got some cameras on or you pull out your phone immediately because um, you never know what a narcissistic woman is capable of after she's upset or uh, she's been through some things with you. All right. So that's all I have for you guys tonight. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday episode. Once again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you guys know you're more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast. And I'm throwing this out there in advance. By next Wednesday, we will have broken the 10,000 downloads mark that we set for ourselves for a year so thank you guys in advance we appreciate it keep those questions coming keep the subscriptions coming keep the comments coming and the feedback coming appreciate the love sincerely from the bottom of my heart um and also from the bottom of the team's heart because you know i got the team in the back they're uh they're hiding and all that but they're they're working we're all working so appreciate it appreciate the love and remember as always guys the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.